to this edition of the KTH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Uh, my name is Dave Palmer, executive director here at the station. Diane Xavier is flawlessly executing her duties as uh, producer and uh, board op for this program, so I appreciate her very much. Uh, I am going to introduce you to a delightful priest who I have just met for the first time, but uh, he and I have been talking away, and I, I do want to thank, uh, before the introduction, my dear friend Lourdes Hernandez. Uh, she and her husband Victor are good friends of ours, and she's the one that had emailed me and said, Dave, can you talk to Father uh, Mark Malik? Uh, he is with the Melkite Eparchy, and I thought, okay, I'm intrigued. Let's go for this. And <laughs> so Father Mark Malik is here, um, and and uh, actually the brother of uh, another friend, Janine Gappa, she and her husband David. So I feel like I know you and we have all these connections, but uh, a lot to talk about because probably everybody is like, Melkite, what? Eparchy, what? What's going on? So welcome. Thanks for coming in. Including my family. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't know either, huh? <laughs> They've been learning a lot. Well, they the can way. just listen to this interview exactly. and everything will be cleared up. Exactly, so uh, yes. before we get to the Melkite uh, Eparchy and uh, this, I know it's been a, a circuitous route for you getting there. Uh, tell us about yourself. You grew up here in North Texas in Fort Worth. Um, your parents were very involved in the church. Uh, tell us about your upbringing, St. Andrew Catholic Church in Fort Worth. Uh, you know, always good, faithful Catholic. When did God kind of so, ta- ta- so. you know, knock you on the head and say, hey, I want you to be a priest? Or tell us about that, your upbringing. Oh, yeah. I, actually, it's a, it's a joy to be uh, from Fort Worth. I, I, three generations of Maliks yeah. born in Fort Worth. So, uh, so a long history here. Uh, all of us were born in Harris Hospital, except my one brother, but we'll talk about that. Black sheep, right? These okay. are black sheep. Yeah. So, uh, yes, my mom was originally from Kansas City. She moved down here when they married in 1971. And so I was born in 1972, and uh, I was baptized. We, we started out going to St. Bartholomew's. I was baptized at St. Bartholomew's and then uh, moved over. We When I started grade school, started at, uh, then we moved over to St. Andrews, which is where I made my first communion. Was I was confirmed. And uh, then I went on to, uh, started serving at uh, St. Andrews. Mm-hmm. And it was a server all my life. Uh, well, not all my life, but from the time I could start serving. Then went on to Monsignor Nolan Catholic High School. And uh, let me see here. I was, the gra- I was part of the graduating class of 1991. Mm-hmm. We didn't have... Air conditioning for the first two years, and you couldn't wear shorts. So all these, oh, all the wow. kids, all the students go to Nolan now. They they have a luxury, a lot, of, they, a lot of sweat rings, right? Oh uh, my yeah. gosh! Yeah, sometimes we had to be. Sometimes they let us go early because it just was so hot. Yeah, yeah. and uh, oh, we'd be falling asleep during class and in the <laughs> afternoon. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, then after that, went on to. Um, and I got to know very well, I'll throw them in here, you know, St. Anthony's Books and Gifts. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. yes. Uh, they, Edith Myers and her son Richard Myers were, uh, have established that store. Mm-hmm. Mary now takes care of it. You know, Richard died uh, a few years ago. But uh, probably outside of my parents, my upbringing, they were probably two of the most important people uh, in my life. In my, mm-hmm. If you want to talk about my vocational journey as they talk about it. Uh, another gentleman was Mr. Mark Rist, who was a, uh, a teacher at yeah, Nolan High School. Yeah, I've interviewed School. him before. Yeah, so I would say outside, but he admires even before Mark Rist. Uh, I, when I would hear kind of questions and uh, concerns, and and I'd all, Edith Myers was so well read. She was she she was an Episcopalian, but she had read herself into the church. And uh, we used to get together with them, my family, and pray the Rosary uh, mm-hmm. once. They had the Blue Army at the time. 
and a whole group of them got together. And so uh, they actually helped me. I remember going to Edith Myers. I was pretty clear in my head what I wanted to do for college, where mm-hmm. I wanted to go. I didn't want want to go get a business degree or anything. I really wanted a good classical liberal arts education, mm-hmm. great books program. And uh, Edith Myers gave me a list of three colleges at the time because this is remember this is early, you know, late eighties uh, when I was applying, and uh, or, you know. Uh, no, earlier ninth. So at that time, still there weren't a lot of kind of colleges. Mm-hmm, yeah. So the three Steubenville had just come back around yeah. at the time, and there was Magdalen College, Th- Thomas Aquinas College, and Christendom College. Those were the yeah. four that came up, and University of Dallas. And uh, out of all that experience, I went to uh, I went to Magdalen College okay. and did my four years liberal arts, and I just loved it. And then, where's uh, that located? It's in uh, New Hampshire. Okay, right, uh, Warner, New Hampshire, which is nowhere. Where and to give people kind of an idea, it's up in the White Mountains. Well, at least you solved the problem of the heat from your high school years, oh, right? Yeah, I went now to the other extreme. extreme. Yeah. I went to the extreme <laughs> where you know, like, like for two months, it doesn't even get above zero. <laughs> uh, I got frostbitten. Every, I love, yeah, it was. It, I loved the experience. Beautiful falls. Um, it's a, it was about ten minutes from the Canadian border where we yeah. were. Yeah, so just gorgeous. And, uh, and I would say that was the next most, most formative time of my life and my vocation. And, uh, with the help of Mr. John Meehan, who was, who was one of the founders of Magdalen College, I went down to, uh, after I graduated, I went down to Holy Apostles in Cromwell, Connecticut. I always thought it was strange. You had a, had a Catholic seminary in a, in a very Protestant, a very Protestant mm-hmm. named town, yeah. Cromwell. The, the town wasn't really Protestant, but Cromwell. And I did one year there. To, to really decide and really this is the route I wanted to go. Yeah. And uh, and I met the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, and I was with them for two years. Mm. Went down to Mexico, went to Spain, did some missionary work, and uh, then decided, well, no, this isn't really for me. And then I went on to a, a monastery, and I think maybe some of your listeners may know about the found the Benedictine Monastery in Norcia mm-hmm. or Norcia. Yeah, Father Cashin Folsom. Well, I was one of the founding members of that. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I joined Father Cashin. Met Father Cashin when he used to come out to Magdalen. Okay, he came out to Magdalen primarily to experience the seminar method, and I just we just hit it off, and uh, so I stayed in contact with him. So when he started his his foundation, nineteen ninety nine, uh, he nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety eight, he told me I was you know if I was interested, I'd come out. So there was five of us that went out there for the first experience. We were living in Rome, and. Uh, I loved, I mean, I loved it. I love, I've always loved the Benedictine way of life. And yeah. It's rootedness in, in the early church and the liturgy and it's rhythm of prayer. So I went out there. So I was there for two years. Was there for the Jubilee year uh, when John Paul II opened the doors mm-hmm. and all the other, got to go to Padre Peel's co- coordination, Edith Stein's coordination. It was, it was a phenomenal two years. Study at the Angelicum for a period of time and the Greg. And, but after two years there, I, I really began to miss the United States. Yeah. And I realized, well, monastic life, you're first and foremost a monk, not a priest. And I really mm-hmm. felt called a priest. So I came back home. And in the meantime, I started hearing about Archbishop Chaput. And uh, so I came back home and gave him a call. He said, come on up. I In Denver? Uh, in yeah. Denver. I went to meet Chaput in Denver, and we talked. He said, I'd be happy to have you come up here. And uh, But in the in term of the interview process and applying, they thought it would be best for me to come up there for one year mm-hmm. just to live. Yeah, and see how I like Denver. So I did, and I went there and taught at a uh, Catholic academy. Uh, Catholic, Colorado, I went and taught at Colorado Catholic Academy. It doesn't exist anymore, and uh, taught fifth and sixth grade. I loved it, and uh, but I reapplied to the seminary, 
And uh, so I enrolled, and then I was ordained and finished up my two and a half years there. And in 2000, I was ordained to the priesthood on December 3rd, 2005. And I was uh, celebrating my first Mass on uh, December 4th, which is also my birthday, and I turned 33 years old. So I was, mm-hmm. that was a very, very special, uh, to me, a sign from yeah. God. And, well, let me stop there. Okay, what yeah, what, that's, an, that's, that's what an interesting <laughs> road to uh, ordination. So now uh, we're in 2005, early December. You have a birthday. You're 33. You're uh, a Catholic priest. Uh, but now you're in Fort Worth, and so in uh, you know five, what uh, fifteen years later, and so how how did you spend those those uh, years leading up to now? What you're doing now? So, uh, so I, you were in Denver I, for a while. I was right? in Denver. I started as a parochial vicar for two and a half years at the largest parish in Denver. We we had twenty two thousand people on the books. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> every Sunday there were four priests, and every Sunday you do a different mass, and every day every every Sunday I look out. It's like seeing a new congregation every week. Yeah. It was cra- oh, oh, it was too large. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, we got parishes like that here. I know. Yeah. No, it's, it's yeah. becoming uh, it's becoming a regular phenomenon. Yeah. But um, and then I was appointed pastor in Boulder at Sacred Heart of Mary Parish. I was there for about seven years, and at that after that I I stepped away from an asked uh, Archbishop Aquila at the time. Archbishop Denver, if I could uh, go for a sabbatical, and I took some time off, went back to actually Norcia for prayer, and I really, I, I love liturgy, and I do love the, I do enjoy the academic life, so I discovered uh, the uh, liturgical institute, so I asked Aquila if I could take a couple of years and go get a degree, and, you know, figure out what, what's the next path here, and uh, he was very gracious, let me do it, and uh, so I got that degree in 2017, and then I thought, you know, I, I one of the struggles for me with uh, uh, diocesan life was just um, living in Denver. I didn't have any family or any mm-hmm. community. So I went, I did explore some oratories, because at least there's the community life. And so I did the visit with the, and live with the community in D.C., the Oratory D.C., uh, for about <laughs> nine months. <laughs> I'm trying to put this, uh, this map oh, together yeah, of is, all yeah. your movements. Boy, you're, you're, yeah. we're, we're, we're racking up some frequent fire miles, aren't you? Uh, yes, yeah. that's true. Yeah. So I, I tried that and then, and I said, no. And I've been learning more about the Eastern Church. Yeah. All this stuff, especially through my liturgical studies. And we should say, yeah, you're Lebanese. Lebanese uh, heritage. Yeah, yeah. yeah heritage. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay, so you're in D.C., you're checking out... Uh, the oratory. Yeah, the oratory. Okay, what's yeah. next? So, and I, and I said, this isn't for me, so I came back. Actually, I was able to come home. Uh, Aquila just let me come home, stay with my father, take care of him a little, uh, take care of him. And uh, and I re- and that's where I just began to go all Eastern. We can just, I just uh-huh. threw myself into it, just so started really looking into it. And what really convinced me was I took a, a month-long trip to Lebanon mm-hmm. in uh, last year, right at the end of Great Lent, what we call Lent, Great Lent, and I spent Holy Week there and the first two weeks of Easter, and I and I spent most time was with, with Melkites, mm-hmm. and, and I got to know Lebanon. I'd never been there, and yeah. I just... This, this, I'm home. Yeah. I'm home. Let me ask you a general question. When we say East... And, you know, oh, as yeah. opposed to West, what's the general distinction? I know there's a lot of particulars and all that. We have a Byzantine Eastern Catholic Church here in Irving where we are. Father mm-hmm. Christopher Andrews is a, a dear friend of mine. What, what, what is significant about a church being Eastern? Oh my gosh! You, and what okay. Well, yeah, sure. Though, give me the the abbreviated uh, one. What what does that mean? The, you or mean what, the biggest the, difference? What's the distinction? Because you, you said you really were becoming enamored with the Eastern uh, liturgy, the Eastern Church, and I just wondered what does that mean? 
they put a lot more emphasis on liturgy. Yeah. And the way you, it, the way you come to God is they put so much more uh, on experience mm-hmm. and experience first and foremost through prayer. Yeah. And the prayer is really prayer of the heart. So, and this is a common example I've been giving to people as I, as I reflect about this. If you, in the Latin Roman church, we put a lot more emphasis on the mind, mm-hmm. memorization, learning. In fact, the catechism of the Catholic church, which is mostly a Roman, even though Melchites don't disagree with it, will begin with the creed. Yeah. The last section is the prayer. Yeah. If you talk to an Easterner, it'll be completely different. They mm-hmm. would begin with prayer, liturgy, and then the creed. And you learn the faith through the experience of prayer. Okay. Would you say there's more of a Thomistic lean in the Western church or more intellectual? Thomistic, that, that, but in general, yeah. it would be, Thomism is really part of a bigger thing called scholasticism. Yeah, and that's when right. you really begin to see from the 1200s on, the East and West really kind of going different different right. ways. Even yeah. though the split had happened a couple of centuries before that, right? Well, Officially, you know, yeah. that that's a that's an interesting. There, actually, to be honest, the split went in and out. Because yeah. we actually have evidence, and 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 the thing about it, the split was between Constantinople and Rome. The Antiochian Church never saw itself in uh, schism with the Roman Church. Mm-hmm. That began in the seventeen hundreds. Yeah, and we know that because we actually have documents where people were receiving communion in both uh, churches. Yeah, because even when the missionaries came, Capuch- the Franciscans into the Middle East. The, the the people would receive communion from the from the Franciscans from the Jesuits all so really the hard break with the Antiochian Church if we can talk about that didn't begin to the 1700s yeah. there are so many different tangents we could go off on yes, and I, so, yeah. I, I, yeah, I I could I'm gonna have lunch with you someday and talk to you for four hours uh, okay. let, let me let me get because uh, I know June of this year 2020 is when your new position started so we're just talking about a few months here and so what what are you doing now and i know you you were given permission by uh what archbishop aquila right to aquila, yes. to, aquila to, to to do this so what are you doing now and why are you in north texas so in fall of 2019 i petitioned to my own bishop uh, aquila in denver if i could excarnate which is to leave the diocese canonically and to enter into the a diocese, or was Melchites called eparchy. Same, mm-hmm. it's the same means territory. I petitioned Bishop Samra Nicholas Samra, who's the bishop of the Melkite Church in the United States, which is it's just one big diocese. Okay, because mm-hmm. we only have like forty five parishes outreaches, and so it was all finalized in uh, the summer in this past summer, yeah. where I've been given permission to live in the DFW area to begin a Melkite outreach here to find people of the El- of the Melkite yeah. outreach. And what and kind of what kind of population are you talking about? How many are there? We that? don't know. We don't okay. know. Yeah, the the problem is because there hasn't been a Melkite church here. Yeah. You know, a lot of them a lot of the millions like my family just started growing up just started going to Latin Rite church. Yeah. Properly speaking, basically anybody who's from the Middle East or from Egypt or from Sudan, you're Melkite. Okay. If you're not Maronite, you're gonna you're Melkite. That's it. So many of our listeners are familiar with Maronite, our, our mm-hmm. Lady of Lebanon, Father Assad. We've had a great relationship with them. Uh, many people who have no you know background in you know heritage in Lebanon love the 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 the, the, the you know the the liturgy. The love the what what they do over there. So what's the difference between Maronite and Melkite? The Mar- uh, so Maronites follow. Uh, I don't want to get too complicated. They follow what call, what's called the Syriac tradition. Okay. Okay. And the Me- the Melkites follow the Byzantine tradition. They were part of the Byzantine Empire. Mm-hmm. To give you very simple, a lot of these distinctions happen because of political. 
yeah. things. You had the Byzantines come down eventually, and slowly they became the protectorate of the Mel- what we know as the Melkite Christians, while the Maronites kept more of their Syriac. I, I don't know how much we want to get into that. So <laughs> do you have a, a church? Where do you celebrate Mass? Do you have a community now? Or or what what does it no, look we're like starting, right it's, now? It's ground, starting from scratch. This is groundbreaking. It's but just you're saying starting. Mass every day. What, where do you say Mass? So uh, right now I do it at the house, although I'm I'm going to be helping out Father Chris at the Ruthenian Parish because the okay. Ruthenian, the Byzantine liturgy, the Melkites and the Ruthenians, it's the Byzantine liturgy. So we have the same liturgy. Melkites... The chants will be slightly different. You say Father Chris. Which parish is that? Or? At uh, St. Basil's. Oh, Basil so here. So actually okay. I'm going to yeah. be celebrating his 10 o'clock liturgy. He's, he's out of town right yeah. now. So I'm celebrating his 10 o'clock liturgy this Sunday, next liturgy. Oh, okay. Next Sunday. So, but right now, no, I don't, we don't have anywhere made. So where I'm celebrating Mass at home right now. You're, uh, so you're starting from scratch. Yeah, we are starting. I'm, I'm even learning the liturgy as, yeah. as, as I'm going along. So, so um, it's missionary. <laughs> Tell us, uh, I know uh, this could be a, a really long answer, but a little bit more about uh, the Melkites. The, how is it different? I, you know, you explained a little bit about how it's different from the uh, Maronites. Uh, you know, somebody listening right now saying, yeah, well, I'm from that part of the world, but I don't know if I'm a Melkite or not. And what does this all mean? <laughs> if, so, well, if, if someone is from the Middle East, yeah. I guarantee you, you are Melkite okay. or you're Orthodox. It's the same yeah. church. Where are the Melkites? The is the Church of Antioch. Yeah. So to make it very simple, um, in the church, there are five major churches. Everybody, every church in the entire world, every apostolic church is going to flow from one of these three, five mother churches. Even, now, one of them is Jerusalem, but we'll talk about it. So the first one's Antioch, which is the oldest one because that's where the apostles were. That's where Christ is, right? Antioch. Mm-hmm. It, it, Antioch, there was a, you don't really recognize it anymore because the name's been changed as, as, Islam's come through, they change a lot of these names. Mm-hmm. Antioch was right on the border of what is the modern-day Turkey and Syria. It's right yeah. there, right in the Mediterranean. That, And you even hear St. Peter at one point goes to Antioch. The, fir- the place where the Christians were first called Christians was Antioch. Yeah. The place of St. Paul's first missionary for Paul and Barnabas was Antioch. So that is a, so you say, who, that's our church, meaning our, me. okay. Then of course you have Constantinople, Rome, and Alexandria. Alexandria is the modern, what we call modern day Egypt. Okay. Those are the four mother churches. One of the councils, early ones, I don't know if it was at Nicaea or Chalcedon, I can't remember, declared Jerusalem because it was the city of the apostles, the town, was an apostolic mm-hmm, church. Yeah. So was, those are the five churches. So Melkites, Maronites, the Chaldeans, all these different Eastern, they all, it, and even Constantinople has its roots from the Antiochian yeah. church. So really you are just steeped in history of the church because a lot of things you're saying right now, uh, people should know, but they may not know about these breakdowns of, you know, I, I really had never heard that before, that there's only really five divisions within the church. Um, for time purposes, let me ask you, um, and by the way, if you're just tuning in and saying, who is this intriguing <laughs> priest? Uh, Father Mark Malik uh, is a priest with the Melkite eparchy, and uh, as he mentioned, there's just one eparchy in the, in the United States. I think you said 46 parishes. So what what will success with air quotes look like, you know, five, ten years down the road? What would you like to do? What's your purpose and mission so here? The, an outreach yeah. is the first stage to establish a parish mission, and then a parish mission's goal is to become a parish. Okay. That's their goal. So there's one that started in 
Houston five years ago. They are a parish mission. They've got some land. They're doing their fundraising. Uh, two years ago, a parish mission began in, or outreach, actually it's an outreach in San Antonio. So we're actually the third Melkite establishment in Texas, but our goal is to establish a parish. Okay. Which, a parish means what? We have a, we have a, a church. And we're able to support a permanent priest. Okay. I, my parish is in the ordinary of the Church of St. Peter. Oh, of course, yeah. it's based in Houston and we're here. We're geographically in the Fort Worth Diocese, but we're not of the Fort Worth Diocese. And so it's similar in that regard. Exactly. Where, where is the headquarters of the eparchy in the United States? Is it's there? In, it's, a, it's called the Newton eparchy oh. or eparchy of Newton, but that's, uh, is in Boston. That's yeah, in Boston, basically. Okay. Yeah. And if people have no heritage, of Antioch or that region, they're, let's just say, you know, born and raised here in America and they mm-hmm. look like me and they're just Roman Catholics, but they say this is intriguing. Can they, can they be part of you or uh, a part of the, this or do you have to, is there a, a, a cultural sta- because, uh, requirement? Oh, no, 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 no. Because we're Catholic. Yeah. If, if any Latin Catholic or any Catholic, baptized person is a Catholic, you go to a Melkite church just like you go to any Eastern Catholic church, you are free to receive communion and participate in the liturgy. And if it is part of, if you really find that this speaks, if this tradition really helps you grow closer to Christ, there, th- those can come in this discussion yeah. down the road. But yeah, uh, yeah you're, you're always welcome. Well, what and, can- and I like to say, not even Baptist Catholics, if uh, sometimes for Protestants, uh, or, or maybe you know a Muslim who's interested in Christianity. This would be actually, the, the Melkites would be a good outreach to people who are Muslim who are interested in becoming Christian because this is actually part of their heritage, mm-hmm, yeah. part of their culture. And Protestants, um, bring them too. This is a different experience of, this might speak more to them than, than the Roman yeah. Latin expression. Interesting. Would you like your parish one day to be geographically in Fort Worth or just somewhere in North Texas or, or it, what are it, you thinking? Oh, cause I have my plans and then God has his plans, yeah. right? We always say, so, um, Right now, my thought is hopefully I can locate it somewhere in between Fort Worth and Dallas. So it might be like a 20, 25, 30 minute drive yeah. for anybody to come in. You so could be right here in Irving. You, you we could, could just, be uh, <laughs> right here. Oh, I don't want to compete with Father uh, Chris. You uh, know? Yeah, you know, that's, we, that's right. You know, that's right. So yeah, so we'll see. I, I know there are several people who have expressed interest in the Keller area yeah. and several people have interested in the Arlington area. I know Bishop Samuels just recently, he has a whole list of Melkite yeah. people. Who live in the area from Grand Prairie and so forth. So, depending on on the location of where the most more, most people are, and there's a website melkitecatholicdfw.org, m e l k i t e catholicdfw.org. You can learn a lot more about that now. So, I'm just curious. You remind me of what I was doing 16 years ago when I, my mission was to get a Catholic radio station, and I sat down one day at a desk and I said. I don't know what to do. I just got to start calling people. And you know, you're, you're starting literally from scratch. That's right. So, so how do you spend your days? Are you making phone calls? Are you meeting with people? Do you, do you need, do you need funds? You, what, what, what can our listeners yes, do? Yes, to, yes, yes, uh, yes, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Uh, contact so, you and say, I so want right to. So right now, I, I've been, uh, getting the word out to yeah. people. And so that was the, thank you for this opportunity even to come on, uh, Guadalupe Radio to just get the word out there to the, to the local community. First and foremost is in our outreach to, uh, any pe- person of the Middle Eastern origin first. Yeah. But of course, it's an outreach to anybody. Uh, if you take that Melkite Catholic, uh, my, my web, I go on Blake now. Oh, uh, Melkite Catholic DFW.org. Yeah. Anybody's interested, if you go to that site, also, uh, the, the phone number and emails on there, people can reach me also, Father Malik at uh, Melkite Catholic DFW.org. Thing call it. If they have any questions, any interest, yeah, we have no. In fact, I'm just now getting the paperwork done to set up a, a bank account for the for the parish. So, 
Yeah, it's all that. Yes. So you won't be able to accept my large donation right now, then, right? Well, we can take it and we can wait because it'll be done very soon. And that, that might speed it up a little bit. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, hey, thanks so much. I, I could spend another hour talking about this, and Thank I'd you. love to do another interview sometime, maybe a longer form one, because there's a lot that we didn't talk about that I would I would be interested in in speaking to you about. But for now, we're going to have to leave it at that. Father Mark Malik, M A L L I C K, the website. MelkiteCatholicDFW.org. That's like Mel and then a kite like you fly. M-E-L-K-I-T-E, CatholicDFW.org. And you'll find phone number and email and all that information on there. And uh, real pleasure meeting you, Father. Can you can you provide a blessing to our listeners through the radio uh, yes. before we wrap again, things up? Again, thank you very much for this opportunity, Dave. And uh, yes, I look forward to coming back in the future if, if it works out. Yeah. To talk about anything we can talk about. Yes. <laughs> and may Almighty God bless all your listeners and anybody else associated with the listeners, all the families of the people here and the radio and its great work of evangelization. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Uh, well, if you're intrigued, visit that website, MelkiteCatholicDFW.org. And uh, thank you again. It was a pleasure uh, uh, meeting Father Malik. And as I always say at the end of these interviews, if you have any suggestions, I mentioned Lourdes Hernandez who said, hey, I got an idea, and it was a great one. So if you have any ideas for anything that's local and Catholic, I'd love to, to talk about it on this program. Uh, just email me directly, DavePalmer at GRNOnline.com. Again, thanks to Diane Xavier, and thank you for listening and supporting great apostolates and missions and upstarts in the North Texas area. Have a great rest of your weekend. God bless you. Live the gospel of life. Join Bishop Burns on October 17th as we answer this call to imitate Christ and follow in his footsteps at the annual Respect Life Mass in the Diocese of Dallas. The Vigil Mass will be celebrated at 5.30 p.m. at Christ the King and will include a special blessing of children in the womb and everyone who works or volunteers in Respect Life Ministry. For more information, including live stream options, visit ProLifeDallas.org. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. My name is Dave Palmer, Executive Director here, host of this program. Diane Xavier is running the board, and uh, as you know, this show is eclectic. We talk about a lot of things, and one topic that pops up every now and then is music. And there is, as in all things Catholic, you know, there's a spectrum, and there's a lot of different styles and forms of music, and everybody has opinions on them. And uh, one of them is contemporary music, and I recently was contacted by a gentleman named Will Hickel, who uh, recently took a position at Prince of Peace Parish in Plano as their contemporary music director, and uh, he has an interesting story, and he also is owner of Novum Records. You can find out about them by just putting a .com after that, Novum, N-O-V-U-M, records.com. And it's a label, and he's a musician. He has his own band called Novum, and uh, so lots to talk about. So, Will, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. All right, so first of all, you uh, a, lot, a lot of things going on in your life the last uh, year or so. Uh, I'm curious, because uh, you and I have one thing in common. We we married European women. Uh, <laughs> you actually went there and met her. I met my wife, English, I mean, Irish wife online. Uh, so you got married earlier this year before the pandemic struck, just yes. in time, right? Praise God, yes. Uh, you're, and your wife is uh, is English. Yes, she is from a, a northern suburb of London called Himmel Hempstead. 
Okay. And I, I thought maybe you met her online, but actually you were over there doing a gig and yeah. a couple of years ago when you met her? Yeah. So um, me and my bandmate, Eric, we had bought these plane tickets to go to England because uh, they were super cheap. And we were like, hey, maybe the Lord will provide uh, some gigs. And we had just released an album. And a couple months after we booked those tickets, he is with, uh, he's playing a gig with Dumb Ox Ministries, a yeah. theology of the body ministry out of Louisiana. And, uh, they were just catching up and, you know, Eric was like, yeah, we're going to England in October. And they're like, oh, cool. Like what dates? And he was like the 16th through whatever. And they're like, oh, well, have, do you know what you're doing yet? And he's like, no. And they're like, well, we need musicians for our, you know, our, our gig or our ministry events. Uh, do you guys want to do it? And he was like, absolutely. And so, um, you know, come to find out that my wife, Rebecca was the one, um, running those events and she's the reason those events were happening. Oh, okay. She coordinated with dumb Ox. Um, and so, yeah, so we were there for, uh, three weeks, went to England, went to Ireland. Um, and you know, I spent a lot of time getting to know Rebecca and by the end of the trip, I, I just, I couldn't help myself and I had to, <laughs> I you asked, didn't propose to her, did you? No, <laughs> no, no oh, I just okay. asked if I could pursue her oh, and then okay. we kept in touch and then I flew back yeah. a month later. And yeah, yeah. sometimes with those long distance relationships, you got to act quickly, you know, I mean, you know, cause there's the, that long distance, but no, that's great. And, and you too, I, I want to get to the music, which is the main topic here, but you too were also highlighted recently on a discerning marriage podcast. Yes. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah. There's just a, there's a, um, a ministry here. It's an, it's affiliated with the Theology of the Body Institute. So our friend Elizabeth Busby um, had us on her podcast and we just told the longer version of our story. Um, and so, yeah, that's a, that's a great, uh, a great podcast to listen to. All right. You recently, a year and a half ago or so, moved to North Texas. Mm-hmm. You're from the Houston area, Sugarland. I am. Uh, tell us, it'd be, I guess it'll kind of incorporate into your upbringing, but uh, how did the music bug hit you? Do you come from a musical family? What, what, where did that come from? Yeah, um, so growing up, my uh, bedroom was right above my dad's office, and he worked late hours and was constantly jamming music. So I think it just, just subconsciously... Just listening or playing? Uh, uh, yeah. uh, listening, listening, yeah, okay. listening while he's working. And so I think subconsciously it just seeped in um, when I'm at, you know, when I was at home and mom was doing things around the house. There was the radio on, uh, when we'd go on road trips, uh, the, the radio was on. So, uh, music was just always around. Um, and me and my siblings always had an affinity for it. And in middle school, I, I did orchestra for those three years, played violin. And then in high school, did choir, did musical theater. Um, you know, my dad was a big concert goer. So there's a lot of concert posters and, and things around the house. So music was just always, um, just a big part of our, of our lives. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I really just kind of fell in love with it as a child and, um, you know, taught myself the piano in college and then started leading worship. I went to Texas A&M. So I started leading worship at St. Mary's and, you know, just the, the story continues and, uh, you know, started leading mm-hmm. for parishes and now I'm here at Prince of Peace. Um, and have a band and have a label and yeah yeah <laughs> did you growing up um were, were, did did christian contemporary music appeal to you um, i'm just thinking i mean you know as you know in this market there's there's several contemporary stations uh, yeah. like uh, uh 94.9 and all that and so the matt mars the stephen curtis chapman's the toby max i mm-hmm. mean was that a a, a genre of music that you were attracted to um I think I was more attracted to that as I matured in my faith. I think I, you know, my first like Christian album, I think was like Casting Crowns or something, uh, which I got, you know, my junior, senior year of high school. So I think as, you know, I went through youth group and started being exposed to Chris Tomlin and Matt Maher, um, that's when that's when I started to consume that music. But before that, it it had been pop and Mm -hmm. other other things. And 
so you start no uh, the group Novum, and then that kind of uh, goes into Novum Records. So yeah. tell us about the group, yeah, first of all. Yeah. Like, like, tell us who, who's in it and what, what kind of music do you play? Yeah, so um, so Novum started as uh, just a worship band um, with me and Eric and our buddy Matt Lewis, who's also in the Houston area, um, and, and a few other guys. Um, and, and so we did a project back in 2014, and we were super excited about it, and Eric... You know, he had he has a lot of friends. He's super connected in the in the Catholic music world, and so he was like, "Hey, I have this friend Gabby who has these these songs, but she doesn't really know what to do. Maybe we can help her." And I was like, "Yeah, we just learned a lot with going through the process of you know creating and uh, administrating and doing doing every every aspect of the the process. You know, from the administration, legal, accounting, blah blah blah." And so. Um, with Gabby, you know, she, she presented the song and I was like, Oh, that's really good. Let's, let's help her and, um, and get that single out. And so we did. And then she was like, well, I want to do a record. So we helped her with that. And then Eric was like, Oh, I have this friend Rita West in Louisiana and, and she's great too. And so then we, we did the same thing with her. And so at that point, you know, we were kind of like, yeah, let's just create, um, a company to, to serve these artists. Mm -hmm. And so that's basically that, that was the kind of the foundation. And then we've grown, um, we have about eight or nine artists now. Um, and our, our mission really is to, to help those who don't, who have the gift, but don't know where to go mm -hmm. with it and how to start. Because, you know, with creating music, there's more than just playing a song or writing a song. Um, if you want to get it out there, there's, you know, all the, all the channels you need to go, go through to get it on Spotify. And then of course, you know, if there's co-writes, how do you, you know, we have all of our contracts ready to say, okay, this is, you know, how we're splitting the songs and then, um, you know, registering every song with what's called a performance rights organization and then even tools like CCLI that help worship leaders, um, and, uh, you know, find music and, um, even tools like one license that help parishes put the music on worship aids and yeah. all these channels, um, for, for publishing and et cetera. Um, the average artist doesn't, either know about them or doesn't want to deal with that. Mm -hmm. And so our, our goal is to have a place where artists can, um, where we can, we can put the music through these channels to help generate revenue mm -hmm. so that people can live off of their art or at least make more of a, more money than normal. Um, but also more importantly, give them the space to just be an artist. Yeah. And with that, um, build a community. Um, because we have, you know, we, we throw, we, we have a retreat every year. Uh, where we all of our writers get together. We just had that over Labor Day. Um, and so I think that's the biggest and most valuable thing that we, we bring is that um, there's just this community of Catholic creators who, yeah. who support each other and who want to see each other thrive and, um, yeah, pour into each other, et cetera. Yeah. Will Hickles, my guest, owner of Novum Records, also a contemporary music director at Prince of Peace Parish in Plano, and our good friend uh, Father Tom Clarity is the pastor over there. And uh, Will's website is novumrecords.com. And so how did it come about that you decided to leave Sugarland, come up north <laughs> to North Texas and take the position of Prince of Peace? Yeah. Um, so I had been leading uh, the Life Teen Choir, a contemporary choir down at San Angelo Marici in Missouri City for about four or five years. And um, 
you know, one of my one of my friends here, Dave Moore, he he had always been kind of joking, like, oh, I'm gonna get you up to Dallas, I'm gonna get you up here, and I was like, okay, maybe. But he's he's cousins with Josh Schwartz, who is um, at Prince of Peace, mm-hmm. and so um, he he basically convinced Josh Josh to uh, to to hire me. And um, Josh reached out um, and had a really kind of generous package um, and, and gave me an opportunity to do a lot more than just lead worship. I For a while, I was working on the website and making videos and, and other things there. Um, so it was, it was honestly something that um, I prayed a lot about and, um, you know, it was, it was too good of an opportunity. It was, it was a you know, a great door that the Lord was opening that I just, mm-hmm. I couldn't resist. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, so they got me and I've loved it and it's been a great move. And, uh, Dallas is just such a great community. So, yeah, it's a good place to live. <laughs> so 2020 has been weird for everybody. Sure. And how has that uh, changed or disrupted or altered your, your position over there at Prince of Peace? Yeah. So, you know, I, um, we, since, you know, there wasn't, there was only one mass and it was being streamed, uh, my contemporary mass I haven't been able to do in a while, but thankfully, uh, Prince of Peace kept me on to help run sound. So I'm still going to mass every Sunday, thank God. Um, and, uh, and so ever since, you know, the pandemic hit, I've just been behind the soundboard, making sure that everyone at home can hear what's going on. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been a shift for all of us, but it's been good. So. Mm-hmm. so how do you define contemporary music? Obviously, it's something that's more new. You can't really have a contemporary song that was, you know, produced 50 years ago, I guess. So sure. is it just that it's new or, or is there more to it than that? Yeah, this topic is fun and subjective at times, but um, uh, I, I would just say that it's, um, it's just music that resonates with... Um, I guess, I don't know. It's so funny because you know, I would say, oh, it's modern, but you're right. Back, you know, like in the John Michael Talbot days, that was contemporary and that uh-huh. was modern and that was new. And so, um, yeah, I guess the definition depends on, on who you ask. Um, cause some people, t- contemporary today, meaning it's being released today, um, you know, it, it might not resonate well with people and they might say, well, I prefer this type of contemporary, which, which I, as a young person might say, well, that sounds old and not contemporary. (laughs) So, um, it's a funny question. Um, because, you know, I think that's kind of something that's always being debated or discussed, but, you know, for us, we chose the word novum, um, cause it's Latin for new, the new evangelization and the church is ever ancient, ever new. And so we do, try to, I guess, keep hints of the past or hints of tradition within our music as we write. Um, you know, uh, some of our songwriters have just recently come out with some math settings. Um, and the goal there was to not make it sound contemporary, but also not make it sound old. And, you know, it's just funny because it really... You know, someone who has a a perspective that is quote unquote older might see some of that older sound in something new versus, you know, someone might see it as all new. I, I don't know. It's it's just a funny mm-hmm. thing to, to discuss. Yeah. And you may have the young people, some young people may shy away from something that's, you know, religious or Catholic. And then the older people may, you know, just to shy away from something that's contemporary. And so you really 
have your your task at hand of yeah. trying to find music that is appealing. Do you, do you have a target audience? Or are you are you mostly writing and producing for young people or, it, or everybody or what? Well, our records are. Um, I wouldn't say we're going for a specific audience when it comes to writing. Um, when it comes to the artists coming out with their music, our focus is what do you want to make? Because I think people are more drawn to music that an artist is excited about versus trying to fit in a box. But when it comes to our worship music or our liturgical music, um, we do try to keep in mind the congregation and those i guess parameters are more is it singable is it you know is it accessible um you know because you don't want to write something that's super jazzy with crazy chords that are an average you know church musician couldn't even play mm-hmm. or that someone reading the sheet music's like why are there so many accidentals or flats or sharps or whatever um and then it's, of, from the congregation standpoint like is it something that's um Again, that's easy because you don't want a piece that's jumping seven octaves every three <laughs> notes. You know what I mean? So, so I, I would say that um, while there is, you know, it is interesting to talk about, I guess, the culture about or about what is contemporary versus not. I think our goal is really just to make music that is beautiful, that is simple, um, and you know, and that is this playable. And however, and I think I think the reason people don't like contemporary is because maybe it's you know, it can be obnoxious or loud or why is there an electric guitar? Why is there a drum set? And, you know, for us, you know, we, I guess I can speak for the younger people. We, we do love songs like come thou fount or, you know, um, be thou my vision. And you can play those in a way that's beautiful, um, and contemporary, but it's, it's still an older song. So Mm -hmm. I think, I think contemporary is kind of, it can be a mindset. It could be an approach, um, and, and so the difference there might be, well, I'm going to play Be Thou My Vision with a piano and a guitar versus an organ. Or, you know what I mean? Something yeah, like that. Yeah. So, you, you mentioned earlier about kind of the new evangelization. Uh, sometimes that's synonymous with Pope St. John Paul II. Right. Uh, he kind of, try, kind of tried to carry that out. You mentioned in an email to me that you're trying to bring about a new renaissance in the church through music. Oh, what right. do you mean by that? We just, we really want to inspire people, um, especially artists, even if you're not a musician, if you're an artist listening, um, or if you know an artist, uh, just to, to just dive into what it is you're passionate about. I think, um, you know, we, we kind of suppress, um, our, how do I say this? I don't know. We just, we have a culture right now that's afraid to innovate, that's afraid to be vulnerable and, um, we just we really encourage with each one of our artists to just make music that they want make mm-hmm. yeah. and 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 again anyone listening it's like if you if you have if you're like oh, I would like to give a shot at watercoloring or something then I would say go for it you know yeah. um that so the renaissance isn't so much like you know let's repaint the sistine chapel but more like let's look inside our own hearts mm-hmm. and and create because we're designed to it's it's in our nature all of you know that's going back to theology of the body you know god is a creator and 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 we are to be like him and create uh, whether that's life whether that's art whether that's you know meaningful relationships etc you know so yeah um you mentioned uh, the dumb ox earlier. I actually teach Aquinas for um, high school kids, and awesome. so I'm, uh, I'm very much aware that Aquinas was very much about coming to know God through the natural world. Music is so powerful, especially for young people, and it can stir the soul. 
And I'm curious uh, how you or maybe some of your artists that you represent are able to use music to, to, to really give people an opportunity to experience the divine. And also, um, in a related question, how perhaps Theology of the Body can be incorporated or has it been in some of your music? So oh, kind of a two-part uh, question. Sure. Well, so the second part, um, so uh, my band Novum, we actually just um, transitioned to alternative rock. And again, because it's music that we love, it's, it's what sets our hearts on fire. But it was, so it was all written, um, uh, most of it was written with a good friend of ours, Greg Boudreau, who is, um, really well versed in theology of the body. And so that, that album has a lot of TOB kind of laced in it, whether, mm-hmm. you know, identity, desire, you know, our longing, um, for this transcendental thing, right? That, that we're longing for the infinite. And so there's a lot of kind of musing on that in that music, um, but yeah, um, I'm so sorry. What was the first oh, question? No, no, just about uh, <laughs> exposing people to God through the beauty of music. Yeah. Uh, just like I can look out and see the beauty outside, and uh, I can have a you know mystical experience, and you know all these things were effects of God, right? Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, beauty, goodness, truth can come out in music and elevate one of to course. an experience with God. Right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, I think I think that is so. What you just said is exactly our goal, and I think you know the way that we just approach that. I, I would go back to to the beginning of like we're just we're trying to make we're trying to get people to make art that they're excited about. Yeah, because you know when people can see um, something that that I made that truly came from the from the depths of my heart and soul, um, that's where you can see. You know, if you're looking hard enough, that's where you can see the Lord, yeah, right? Because yeah. He's speaking through us in our stories, in our, um, in the things that we're creating. Um, so, and you guys have a, a new song that came out, I believe, yesterday yeah. called "Even in the Silence." Uh, you and I had talked about playing a clip. Uh, I'm not sure if we're allowed to because oh. we don't we don't subscribe to any of the. The, the music thing. So we might just have to describe it and tell people how to go and watch it. <laughs> I don't want to get myself into trouble, but tell us about the song and uh, maybe some of the inspiration behind it. Oh, sure. Yeah. So this song is actually a direct um, response um, of prayer and reflection to the pandemic. So even in the silence, you know, the chorus uh, is even in the silence, you are with me. Um, even in the waiting, though I can't see, you were never hiding. Your heart is always guiding me. So just this, um, it was, it was written by me and a couple of our other artists, Mark and Lily McKellar. Um, they are part of a band called Simple Offering and they just got married recently too. Um, uh, so we were, we were just on Zoom for about an hour, just kind of talking about, you know, and praying about, you know, just what's happening in the world. And so this is kind of our prayer in, in, in this crazy time, you know, yeah, and we hope yeah. that it resonates well with people and that they know that God is good. And, you know, even the bridge proclaims, um, when I see your face, I can't help but praise you. I can't help but thank you. You're just that good. You know, almost like when, when God does show up and he will, you know, there's, there's just nothing but joy and, and, um, provision there. Yeah. And so, um, the video, uh, we have a lot, we recorded it live in the studio. Um, there's a video on YouTube. If you just type in even in the silence, Novum Collective, um, you should see it there. All right. I'm going to check it out right after this interview. All right. So we are about out of time. Will Hickel has been my guest, owner of Novum Records. You can go to novumrecords.com, N-O-V-U-M records.com. And he also serves as the contemporary music director at Prince of Peace Parish in Plano. And I want to say it's P.O.P. 
popparish.com or uh, uh, popplano.org. Oh, okay. Popplano.org. Yeah. <laughs> part of it, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, obviously, there's a lot of we, we we covered a lot of ground here, and the people listening, maybe they're like, "Gosh, I want to talk to him because I'm a musician," and maybe they just want to buy your CD. What, tell us what what are the action items? What can people do? Yeah, there's a few. Um, so so first off, um, our all of our projects are mostly funded um, through crowdfunding, and so my band Novum is currently going through a crowdfund. So if you go to Novum Music. Dot co, uh, you can find out more about our album. It's called Chromatic. Um, and for that, uh, like I said earlier, it's, it's going to be more of an alternative rock album, but with a lot of theology of the body uh, integrated in it. Um, and we want that to be accessible. That'll kind of sound more like Coldplay. Um, <laughs> uh, NovumRecords.com, we have plenty of merch from all of our artists. We have CDs. In fact, um, we'll have a coupon code uh, for 20% off your order if you just type in coupon code KATH. All right. Um, boy, boy, we've made it. Now we've got yeah. our own code on your yeah. website. Yep, Look that's, at that. Yeah. And that's novamusic.co. .co. .co. .co, yeah. Okay. And then, um... Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic radio for your soul in North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 